Welcome to News in Context. I'm Gina Valeria. In this episode, I continue my conversation with Sapna Sadakopan, co-founder of Ziza News for Kids, an outlet that provides reliable, relatable, current, and easy to understand news and information for teens and tweens. In addition to providing news, Ziza also invites young people to cover the news. Anyone under 18 can become a junior reporter, where you have the opportunity to craft news stories, create opinion pieces, engage via polls, and share information about news and events happening near you. News stories are generally print and digital articles, but every once in a while, a junior reporter creates an audio or a video piece, like this one. Hi, I'm Katie, a junior reporter for XYZA, and I'm reporting the 2018 Winter Olympics, and this is my story. There have been a lot of interesting skaters in the 2018 Winter Olympics pair figure skating. And I had a lot of favorite moments, but this one was one of my favorites. I liked the German pair Aliona Savchenko and Bruno Masso's performance. They had cool moves and also won the gold medal in pairs figure skating. Hooray! Last week we aired part one of my conversation with Sapna, exploring what Ziza is and how it connects kids to news. In this episode, part two, we will explore how kids, parents, and teachers think about news, how parents and teachers can connect kids with news, and how Ziza navigates news stories and contributes to media literacy and curiosity. So excited to continue my conversation with you. Tell me a little bit about, about Ziza. The idea is to bring news to kids who are in elementary and middle school, older elementary and middle schools. We call them tweens and teens. But um, essentially, those who are starting to kind of be more aware of what's happening around them and asking questions and provide a way for families to actually thoughtfully discuss news in a way that's that's relatable to kids and it's, it makes sense. It's not quite out there. So where did the name Ziza come from? It's two different weird stories. I had my kid or I was pregnant with my first and we both had to bring me and my husband had to bring names to the table and it came up with this whole idea of like uh, oh this is like a complicated name it's called Siza it's basically in an infinite loop of whatever like he just came up with this whole thing and I was like what that's not even a name it's XYZ aid <laughs> and his whole thing was like it was supposed to be a joke but uh, he was really committed to the name and we did not name our daughter that but when we were thinking about what's the best name for the company Siza stood out because it's essentially the th- last three letters of the alphabet and the first so it's kind of this loop and our whole goal was we're looping together the world of news for mm-hmm. for this audience so it's xyz i mean people pronounce it as xyza but uh it's always been siza to us and um that was essentially yeah the origin of the name so it's essentially looping the world of news for kids yeah your audience is kids uh-huh And yet there is that inevitable interaction and engagement with the parents, with the teachers and with international audiences who have perhaps different expectations of what news should be. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, how does Ziza navigate? Uh, And I want to bring in also uh, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned that there are some parents who really are hungry for this opportunity yep. yeah. and some parents are like oh no no my child shouldn't be exposed to that just yet I yeah. know I know a lot of people like that as well yeah um, so you've got all of those factors swirling mm-hmm. how do you navigate all of those various factors when you are presenting content that kids are accessing yeah I think for us um, <laughs> in a very complicated way I think that would be the simple answer <laughs> but uh, what we always kind of um, 
focused on was yes, we are you know talking about news with kids, but we are parents. I mean, between the two of us, we have five kids, so we are definitely kind of in the zone of uh, understanding how parents think about things. So one of the things that we've always done is uh, when you know people sign up, you know, at Siza. We send out these weekly emails to parents, and the whole idea is, and we have this thing called, uh, which we just shifted, I think we now call it debatable. We had this whole series called the dinner table conversations, and uh, I know my co-founder always talks about, oh, really, does dinner happen the way we all imagine it to be, where everybody's sitting joyfully at a table and eating at the same time? No, it's all chaos. I mean, it's always some version of chaos. You're probably in the car, like, eating burgers, but (laughs) the whole idea is, We want to provide parents with interesting, thoughtful ways to talk about the news with their kids. So when we talk about, you know, what is it about superheroes that, you know, you should think about, or like when we are asking questions about technology and how it has evolved, our actual goal is not necessarily, I mean, it is to create thinking in kids where they can understand many things, but it's actually to spark conversations. So whether it's a teacher or like a parent, we want to actually have them share their perspectives and say, especially I know Olympics is coming up this year, so we would love for parents to share like, you know, which Olympics do you remember the most and which was your big aha moment when it came to sports. And our goal is always to spark those conversations, to say that it's okay because we as parents are navigating and learning news as well. News is one of those things where like, everybody's learning still and it's really great because you you don't have it's not like don't cross the road without looking news is something where parents are learning too so we want to provide this kind of um, environment where parents are connecting they're not necessarily subscribing to Ziza and saying okay you're done you know that's it and my hands are off so our weekly emails for example to parents essentially says hey these are the news topics we talked about today here's a fun discussion you can have with your kids and the same thing to teachers as well because we want them to essentially use things like trivia and you know discussions to actually have conversations about what's happening in the news so the way we keep them connected is while we're doing all this trying to really kind of engage kids with the news it's like the three circles parents and teachers and kids we want them all to be connected so we have these weekly emails that go out that is essentially sharing with parents ways that they could talk to their kids about the news because news is not a hands-off service that you just subscribe to we're all following news ourselves and if kids are going to talk about it in the car or hear about it in like the playground and come back and ask you questions we would love for there to be an active conversation about it so that's something that we've always focused on it's definitely intensive as a company to be doing that much where we're also talking to parents and to teachers and to kids but if if it's news I think it's necessary to treat it that way it's not necessarily like a multiplication fact for school it's the news I mean it's affecting all of us on a daily basis so we want to kind of spark those conversations so the way we do it is we have these parent emails that go out we have these teacher emails that go out that essentially tells them you know this is what we covered this week here's a way you can talk about it. Here's a fun debate you can do when we share news stories with kids. We always say like, how about you challenge your parents? How many of these do they know? And just to kind of have those conversations about news is is valuable and I think we should do it. Has there been a situation that you're willing to share where a parent or a teacher sort of pushed back or wasn't thrilled or wasn't comfortable with what content was coming out? Surprisingly, not as much as one would expect and I think um, if it has happened it's about a topic I mean 
to be honest, we are a news source for kids, and there is only so much we can cover. Uh, given that print is like a limited space, given that, you know, we are kind of a small team, if the expectation is that we cover every single thing that's happening out there, that is probably not going to necessarily happen. And it especially happens when there are kind of, you know, tragic news, you know, there's some kind of a killing or like violence and so forth. We do not shy away from it. But what we also don't do is cover every single one of them because for us it's what is this telling us about the world like you know people came together to help or people you know these were the next steps taken and so I, I think if the expectation is that you know as a parent we follow so much and we have this unending stream of news on Facebook and so forth uh, the expectation that we are able to cover everything is something that we cannot necessarily you know live up to and so sometimes that's been kind of like you know and frankly not as much it's not necessarily about the news stories itself it's like oh how come you guys didn't talk about something that was happening in you know another country and I think world news is something we definitely keep our eyes on because our goal is to share what's happening around the world as well but it's just not a fearless giant company sure but we're not at this point where we can cover every topic of interest every news story of interest so that has been kind of the pushback not necessarily on how we talk about it because I think actually providing various sides of the story is something that we believe in and that is actually kind of something that is appreciated by parents and teachers as well because this is not a particularly leaning kind of uh, you know a topic but it's essentially hey there are many sides to the story so that part has been touch wood so far easy to navigate that's fantastic and how do you prioritize what to cover you've kind of alluded to it but I'm yeah. curious just in, very explicitly how do you prioritize what I to think cover? for us it's definitely what are the new stories that share something about what's happening in the world I think even if we're talking about the I think the Grammy Awards or Academy Awards, I don't remember. The whole idea, like, they're shifting things. It's going to be a vegetarian meal. Like, what is with that? And so the idea is it shouldn't be news for news' sake. It should be something that is a step above, that actually shares a little bit more about how the world works. I mean, for us to be able to talk about, I think, um, you know, even the coronavirus, which is obviously kind of the big uh, discussion at this point, um, one of the things that we'll be talking about is, like, you know, the whole idea of washing our hands. Where did that come from? Like, what is the idea behind that? So we don't necessarily just talk about news. X happened, end of story. We talk about there's always the context. So any news story where we feel like we can actually share something fascinating about the world. And I swear, there's always something fascinating to find. Even the idea of, like, you know, the virus, the fact that it's something that wasn't common the whole idea of like how you wash your hands and like how did that become the norm and what did it take for a doctor to essentially make that a mainstream way of actually protecting yourself um there was a there was a, this whole like story behind that so for us thankfully that has been a good guide because that helps us really pause and think about what we're trying to say with this news story rather than have we covered everything that's out there so as long as a news story lends itself to helping us provide context and to share something really interesting the history of something the, how it came about um, those are all all good things I mean even like Black History Month we were talking about how Sure, like, you know, we've talked about kind of the origin, but it's really interesting because this year we actually dug into people that, you know, not everybody knows about who actually were like the first black woman pilot license holder. I mean, things like that are just fascinating. And so for us, it's always like, what else can we say about this topic uh, that is actually kind of going to deliver some value to the reader? So that has been kind of our guide. And so far, it's, you know, it's worked out great. Providing context 
also helps kids with media literacy. You talk about getting them to stop and think and pay attention to the larger picture. Yeah. I think you're doing a great I know you you say you didn't necessarily mean to become an educational Yeah. Uh, resource, but you really are doing this work that many educators find so important. Yeah, and I think media, it's, it's so funny, the years that we've been around, media literacy has gone from, oh my God, and then kids and the internet, what is happening to actually, I think, I mean, organizations like Common Sense Media, they've all done a great job because I know I'm starting to see this kind of awareness, like even in my kids, they come to school, they come back and they're talking about like what is the source of this story? And I feel like even in the four years that I've seen this, it has definitely changed. Sure, kids are still going to Google and randomly Googling like questions and they're sharing stuff. And I'm kind of a vigilante about this whole thing. Yesterday, my kid was talking about how, oh, you know when uh, something that is, my my dad forwarded something to her. And of course, you know, she's like, did you know this happens? I'm like, where are you getting that from? Like, what is the source of this news? Did you ask grandpa where he got the news from? Uh, but that's me, right? Like, that's how I'm where I don't expect, you know, that conversation to happen everywhere. But I'm really hurting to see whether it's a school or a classroom, the whole idea of like, you know, bullying online, don't post and do not share your name. And so there's definitely this awareness. I mean, it's easy to think it's all terrible and awful, but if you see steps being taken there and the fact that your kid is coming back from school and talking about how to be a smart, you know, internet user, even a little bit is 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 good. It's still a right step. So I'm glad there are kind of organizations talking about it and there's more awareness towards it. The idea that, you know, you shouldn't just be reading something off without thinking about it is 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 growing and that's good for us. But yes, we definitely are in the middle of that whole like media literacy, what is news, how should you think about it? And so um, we're glad when, you know, there's there's awareness towards that. We're talking with Sapna Sadagopan, co-founder of Ziza News for Kids. This is part two of my interview with Sapna. Hear part one at newsincontext.net. How many times do you print? Once a week? Once a month? Um, the web or like, I guess online, there's a new story updated every day. But um, the print itself is a monthly. It's an eight page monthly newspaper that gets shipped out. Um, and uh, I get to see the first version every time. So I'm always excited. <laughs> like every time the smell of like news newspapers is, is always good. But that is a monthly newspaper. I should have asked you, um, you mentioned the Warriors and some other opportunities that kids got earlier. Were there any questions that were asked that perhaps an adult reporter might be remiss in asking or might fail to ask that a kid did? I think, well, to be honest, I think kids can get away with asking things. I feel like especially when we had Mark Leno and... He he was fabulous about answering the questions and I think he did a really great job of like taking it and essentially I think at that time some of the questions were like my I think it was teachers and teachers pay and so there were kids who were asking about like my teachers are like you know struggling and like what are you doing about teachers pay and I love that he was um, he was thoughtful about it and like where what he can enable and what is sometimes like a bigger question and a discussion for for uh, you know people to have or administrators to have and so I feel like that was one example of like where they came at it from a place of uh, you know I'm seeing my teacher at school like talk about like you know you know she's there was a march out or like a protest march or something like that and so I feel like they were able to ask questions that were personal in nature like you know when I'm walking on the streets like you know I'm worried like my parents are worried so they were able to ask those questions which to his credit he answered very thoughtfully but um, I think they just come at it from a very 
different, interesting personal space. So they're not asking questions so that they can go back to their editor and impress their editor, but, or to like, you know, whatever, uh, you know, produce a great news story. They're asking simply because they're curious. That's all that is driving their interest. So these are not, you know, kids who are uh, out trying to get clicks or like get trying to make like <laughs> fancy headlines out of the whole thing so that actually keeps the questions real and it keeps it close to what they see every day and what they're looking at honestly I would love to just kind of keep growing that because I feel like there is this gap when it comes to news and somehow when they get into high school and college we expect them to come with it with absolute knowledge about news and how to go how could we do that if we are not really sharing news with them when they're younger? Like, how do we expect them to magically know how to navigate things at 17, which is when they're actually in a high school newspapers? They're working on their, like, you know, high school, whatever, uh, school newspapers. But it's really interesting that we don't necessarily provide a whole lot until that point, and then we expect some miracles to happen when they're, like, 17, and they should totally be aware. No. It could start younger. I mean, the idea, again, going back to your point, when you know people are pushing back against, oh, I don't think my kids are ready for news. We always do this. We do these workshops in schools and classrooms and libraries where we walk in and we're like, what do you think of news? And then kids are like, oh, dad and mom, it's boring. Like, oh, it's scary. And we heard a lot of like, oh, news is scary. News is like, you know, terrible stuff. And then we have this whole presentation where we're talking about like NASA and like, you know, do you know Tesla went into space? Like all these, you know, really interesting things, which always gets these oohs and ahs and like you know and we make a fun trivia game of it (laughs) and towards the end we're like you know what you actually connected with the news like that entire hour you were part of like learning about the news it wasn't necessarily moms and dad stuff it was actually you were connecting to the news because it's sports and it's science and technology so our goal is to prove I guess it's kind of like this weird ambitious goal that when you say that kids are not ready for news we're just saying they're not ready for like fascinating things around the world and that's not true they love to learn about what's happening they're always curious about things and the fact that we are able to talk to them about it you know we're just lucky I guess yeah (laughs) I have nieces uh and and nephews from 21 down to six and the younger ones news is scary for them like they'll come in auntie Gina are we all gonna die from coronavirus right I love the way you're like, hey, let's talk about that with regard to washing hands. Yeah, I mean, isn't it fascinating? I mean, if you really dig into so many of these things, just the way things come about, it's it's easy to forget that context. And I feel like even when we were talking about something as serious, like as... Uh, the Flint water crisis, which was one of the first big, you know, stories that we shared. This was obviously years ago. Um, that it's still ongoing. That news stories don't actually end. It's not a perfect, like, tidy ending to any story. That things are still going on. And so for us, I mean, just structurally, news is fascinating because a, the stories actually never end. B, there are so many sides to it. And C, like, if you really think about it, it's teaching you something about the world today. Like, it's happening right now like out there so all of those are elements that really makes the idea of news it should be fascinating and so we always think about you know we should really connect them to news better and nobody is really kind of taking this demographic on and to us that's always because I have this uh this stubborn idea that you know most news organizations should be thinking about kids Right. They should be thinking about like, you know, younger audiences always and not necessarily in the context of classrooms so that they can, you know, give their regular newspapers to teachers, but actually participating and inviting them to be part of it. So I feel like 
that's kind of my personal goal to make it relevant enough for you know every news organization to sit up and take notice. But uh, you know, this is our little baby steps towards that. Um, when you brought up curiosity earlier, and it's funny, I'm writing a book. Uh, and one chapter deals with curiosity in journalism and and how in a lot of ways, at least I teach at the college level, there is a shift in the way students are curious and sometimes it feels as if they're less curious. And the idea that, as you said earlier, we hold this back from kids until college and then expect them to have the skills. Yeah. Like I do love that that kids before the curiosity is sort of sucked out of them in your context are, are able to sort of just act on pure curiosity, which I think is so great. That's it. And curiosity about anything, right? Like you don't have to be, you could be a kid who's all about, you know, fairness and equality and you would be learning about sports. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's just great. I mean, the whole idea of like, you know, Serena Williams, was she treated fairly when she was fined something? The whole context to that is actually fairness. And so those are topics that kids are very, like fairness is a big topic for kids for the longest time. Like this was fair. This was on life is fair. Like I didn't get candy that I wanted. So I feel like there is always a way to connect it to topics that they think about and they're curious about. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, we can always make that happen. It's just that we need to put the effort into it. Absolutely. And because curiosity is the primary driver of journalism, it's just so wonderful. And I have to share a quick story. My um, A good friend of mine has twins. And it's funny, in, for odd and even numbers, one of them actually defined them not as odd and even, but as fair and unfair numbers. <laughs> I, for the longest time I had, I was I felt bad for the odd numbers. Yes! I was like... <laughs> I was like, look at three, like all by itself, like for two of them, like they're a pair, but three, you know, there's always one left over. But anyway, like it, it's just really interesting because those are very basic kind of things that kids are always thinking about anyway, the idea of like fairness yes. and, you know, is it fair and equal to everybody and things like that. But yeah. Yeah, totally. This has come up, but I do want to ask you specifically, what are you most proud of about Ziza? <sighs> Well, <laughs> I think it probably changes <laughs> every day. <laughs> I honestly think because we are in this process of having these conversations about like, you know, how are we thinking about 2020? I am honestly glad that we stuck it out, to be honest. I, it, it's a hard time to be a media organization. I think it's definitely a hard time to be working on a demographic or an audience that has been historically ignored always um, and to be able to make a case that there is an audience there is a there 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 is an audience here that you should actually be thinking about so it definitely has been disheartening at times because you feel like you know you absolutely see that you know a positive reaction from parents and teachers and like you know librarians but in the grander context I feel like it's still still a fairly ignored demographic and so for us I mean what we are proud of is the fact that we are at it and we are still doing it and we still wake up every day excited about things we might still have things that we're not you know that get us down you know it, that always happens but um, the fact that we are able to even in a small way sustain a media company that does what you know nobody else has necessarily done before has been has been great I think I personally am I'm glad we are ad-free at this point. I feel like it's one of those things because we could have gone either way. Like three years ago, we could have been like, let's make it a free-for-all and make it an ad-based platform. And sure, like, you know, but we didn't because in our heads, and I think it's it's still a fair point to make that um, 
interesting, thoughtful content that does the job of sharing, like you know, what's happening in the world with with a really young demographic is is something that it should be okay to pay for it, I yeah. guess. So for us, uh, the fact that we are even here, like still talking about it in an excited way is, is something that I'm proud of. I'm definitely proud of kind of the content, the way we think about things. I'm proud of how my co-founder just powers through. I mean, we are friends from more than a decade, I think. And I don't know, it, it's just hard sometimes. So I feel like we're proud that we are uh, out and yeah. still doing doing this and powering on in a lot of ways so and it's lots of exciting stuff to come so are there any other challenges you face it just in terms of challenges it's just the nature of the beast we are in san francisco silicon valley i have talked to people who have been like oh you guys should be doing virtual reality right don't you already do vr and we're like no, we are a media company. And you know, it's not that we are trying to shy away from, but I think there's a lot of nuances to it that is not easy to understand. And I feel like as a media company that, you know, we, I talk to other uh, founders and it's, it's, it's a hard, hard uh, business to be in, uh, in a way. Um, but I think uh, for us, it's been not necessarily easy, but it's uh, been okay. But I think the challenges are really in, in trying to establish and grow a company that is uh, that is focused on uh, what seems to be a small problem, but to us it is it is important and it's necessary to be done. So there are those just kind of as a business, it's sometimes um, you know it hits a wall and we are like oh let's just get through this. But you know our our users always come through. We when we hear from parents who are thankful, like that just lights up our week for that week. So it's been uh, good to hear the feedback from all of yeah. And it's true. It is a large problem. And because maybe funders don't see it that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, for where they are and what the space is, it's it, it kind of uh, can seem that way. But um, I just wish it wasn't so hard to make this case. But it is. Yes, I totally yeah. understand what you're saying. <laughs> where would you like to take Ziza from here? What do you still want to achieve? I think ultimately for Ziza, our goal is to create this platform or a community of kids from around the world. I mean, who are able to share, who are able to kind of talk about news and, you know, look at the same kind of news and, you know, have different perspectives on it. Because ultimately, we are serving to educate or, like, you know, inform a market that is still young and thoughtful and curious. And so our goal is to essentially... If by the time a kid is 17, the kid is thinking about news and thoughtful, you know, is able to critically think about news, that to us is a win. And so as, as a company, the bigger goal is right now we are what we are. You know, we are print and web and all of that. But ultimately, the goal is to create this essentially a platform of young people around the world who are talking about the news and sharing perspectives of the news and thoughtfully understanding the news and so I think that is one of the kind of the underrated uh, parts of uh, talking to this community is just we just think of news as news news for adults is different from news for kids and I think it I couldn't stress on it enough and so being able to kind of deliver a good experience for them so that they're thoughtful about news to us is a win and so just as an organization being able to create a really large platform to do that would be would be you know our goal. If a young person wants to become a Ziza junior reporter or engage with your content, what should they do? Just as a junior reporter, any kid can go to zizanews.com slash junior reporter and sign up. And um, we're able to essentially share opportunities, share like other voices to kids who are signed up. 
Is that teachers. just in the Bay Area or can kids across no, the country? No, we actually have. It's so funny because we are Bay Area. And I know when we started off, our, our kind of base was definitely San Francisco Bay Area. But right now, we are actually in 35 states in the U.S. We have users in Canada. And I swear, it's not because we are a large company with a huge marketing budget. It just seems so organic. We have users in uh, Taiwan and Hong Kong and Singapore, which is uh, which has been really interesting. But I can see that because they're looking for you know interesting resources in English and so there's definitely a value that we are bringing to some of uh, definitely the schools there we are local the opportunities have so far been local and I would love to kind of find ways to expand this where a kid in New York can go to something that has happening in New York but uh, you know we're still small so yeah still growing <laughs> that is fantastic thank you so much thank you that was great that was super fun you have been listening to News in Context to find out more about Ziza News for Kids well, I'll let Ziza Junior Reporter Chloe tell you. Hey guys, I love the Junior Reporter for Ziza. If you want to join the team, you can email editor at zizanews.com. Anyone can join the team. And you don't have to be a writer. You can take pictures, record a video, or record something like what I'm doing right now. You can hear part one of my interview with Sapna at newsincontext.net. Music in this episode includes Spring Fling by Track Tribe and The Heist by Silent Partner. In addition to hearing News in Context every Friday at 8.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on KSFP 102.5 in San Francisco, you can hear it on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, YouTube, and PRX. We're also on Twitter at News in Context SF, and you can find links to all of that at newsincontext.net. I'm Gina Valeria. Thank you for listening.